Well, Christmas is right around the corner. Can I get an amen for that? All right. I'm excited for Christmas and our Christmas Eve services will begin Thursday night. We'll have one and then three on, on uh, Friday, uh, Christmas, Christmas Eve. Hopefully you can uh, attend one of those and bring a friend or family member. And then on Sunday, just this help, helps everybody in this room and watching online, uh, this next coming Sunday... If we have services, who knows what Snow's going to do, uh, it'll be one service at 10.30, one family service at 10.30, and if it does snow, we will have a service online for you to watch um, so that you can still, you know, go to church on Sunday, but uh, we'll hopefully we'll be here and we'll have one family service at 10.30. Um, well, last week we started our, our series, there's a short uh, Thrill of Hope series, talking about the human heart has been hardwired for hope. All of us have this innate desire to hope, you know, to love and to be loved and to have success and have fulfillment, have a future. And, and hope is, is like oxygen to our soul. And we, when we don't have hope, the human heart just struggles seriously struggles of loneliness, uh, despair. People even take their life uh, when they don't have hope. Or if they don't take their life and they're struggling and they're, they don't, they're not experiencing hope, it's like they're just drifting through life, like floating on a, on a life raft without an oar or a rudder, and they're just, they're just at the whims of the waves and the wind and the current underneath them. They just kind of float through life, and life hits them, as, as it just constantly, and they, they have no direction. Hope is everything. When we have hope, it gives us meaning and purpose and, and a stick to to keep going, keep striving, keep moving forward because there is that light at the end of the tunnel when we are experiencing hope. Last week, if you were here, we talked about hope fulfilled. Hope fulfilled triggers a natural reaction, a natural response to worship, to worship. Uh, we went through the Christmas story and character after character after character in the Christmas story. When the hope of a Messiah was fulfilled, Mary worshiped. All right, the, the shepherds worshiped. Even the angels, when the announcement came that a Savior has been born, he told the shepherds, one angel, the Savior has been born in, in, in Bethlehem. A whole bunch of angels showed up and worshiped. A couple, uh, after the birth of Christ in, in the temple when Jesus was, bought, was brought there by Mary and Joseph, an elderly man by the name of Simeon was promised that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And when he saw Jesus, he held him in his arms. And the first thing he did is he worshipped. Anna, another old lady in the temple came and she worshipped. The wise men, when they showed up, they came for the purpose of worship. There's something in our hearts. When hope is fulfilled, we have a natural reaction to worship. Recently, there was a, a survey by the annual classic uh, FM poll, and it said that, Oh, Holy Night is America's, right now, is America's most favorite Christmas carol. Oh, Holy Night. Here's, the, here's some of the lyrics. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope 
the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, O hear the angels' voices, O night divine, O night when Christ was born. I'm going to zero in on one phrase of that French Christmas carol. The phrase that said, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. If I would take all of us back on a time machine, back during the time that Jesus was born, you would experience, I would experience the weariness, the weariness that that world was suffering through in that first century. Uh, the iron rule of the Romans suffocated life in Israel. Uh, they were occupying and they were occupiers and, and they, were, they were brutal. They were ruthless. And the, the Israeli people were weary of being dominated by another empire. There was abject poverty everywhere. With abject poverty, there was sickness and disease and death. It was a normal occurrence. There was no health care. There's no hospitals. There were physicians, but they were only for the wealthy. Many times people who were sick and had disease, they were just kind of pushed out, left to themselves to die a lonely, miserable death. If you gave birth to a baby, it was rare that that baby continued to live. The infant mortality rate was incredibly high. And the average lifespan, did some research on this, the average lifespan at this time was 35 to 45 years old. Again, you had no health care, <laughs> disease, you know, and people were dying left and right. If you lived to 45, if you lived past that, you were, you were rare. Also, they were weary of the taxes. Anybody weary of taxes? Had nothing compared to the Romans. The tax burden was incredible. Then the whole religious system of Judaism was wearisome. It was burdensome. It was all these rules. And then they added all the, the traditions that they added. It was just the, the, the average person was just so worn out. It's like it's impossible. It's impossible to do all these things. That's why when Jesus said this powerful phrase, he said, come unto me. All of you who are weak and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. We, we love that phrase, but he was referring to the religious rules and laws that it was impossible. They were so weary. And Jesus said, no, no, come to me. My burden is light and easy. Meaning they didn't get that, but it was like, have a relationship with me. I will carry the weight. I will pay the price. And that's what he did on the cross. They were weary. So last week it was like the thrill of hope leads us to worship. Today, if you're taking notes, the central point is this, is that the thrill of hope helps us choose joy. Helps us choose joy when we have, understand what the thrill of hope is. Now, we live in an American culture that is addicted to being happy. Everything's like, I gotta be happy. Oh, I'm not gonna stay in this relationship because it doesn't make me happy. I'm gonna quit this job because I'm not happy. And there's this addiction to being happy. And the whole concept of 
Joy is foreign. It's like, what is that? Joy is foreign. No, no, no. I just want to be happy. Let me tell you. Joy is way better than happy. Happy is fickle and it is fleeting. It's just, just, it's just, it's there and it's gone like a vapor. Joy is sustaining. Joy, you can have joy when you're happy, but you also can have joy when everything around you is not happy. So let me give you the definition of joy because it's so foreign to our world. Joy is this. It's a God-given, satisfying delight of my soul. That is like down to the very core of who we are. Satisfying delight to my soul, no matter the circumstance. No matter if you're struggling financially. No matter if you're physically, you know, ailing. No matter if your team is not going to make the playoffs. I get an amen on that. There's joy, and I've had plenty of experience with that lately. Joy is a God-given, just this satisfying delight all the way down to my soul, no matter the circumstance. Now, here's two things that, about joy that you need to understand. First of all, joy brings a quiet confidence. It's like, you know what? Everything around me is hard. Life is difficult, but there's just quiet confidence that God's got me. It's going to be okay eventually. But here's the critical point to understand about joy is that it is a determined choice. We must choose joy, then God gives it to us. But it's our choice. God's not going to force joy on us. He's not going to say, you're going to be joyful. Bam, you're going to be joyful. I'm going to make you joyful. We get to choose. And most Americans, they don't know that. And they don't choose joy because we're addicted to being Happy. Joy is way better than happy. I'm going to ask you to turn if you have a copy of God's Word. There's Bibles in the back if you want to borrow one or have one. Uh, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. You got all these little books, little letters actually in the New Testament, the letter or book to the church believers in Galatia, Providence, or the church at Ephesus, or the church at Philippi, or Colossia. This is a letter that, that Paul wrote, and the theme of Philippians is joy. The theme of Philippians was, is joy. So let me read a few verses, and we'll jump through this book a little bit. Chapter 1, look at verse 3. Paul says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from this day, from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm going to zero in on verse 6 because verse 6 means so much to me. It says, being confident. Paul says, I am absolutely confident of this. Of what? Here it is. That he, God, who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Meaning when Jesus comes back or when you meet Jesus in heaven. There's two things here. First of all, there's God's plan. When God saves people, if you trusted in Jesus as your Savior, God's plan is that I am going to begin 
a work of what's kind of theological big you know, word is a sanctification process. Meaning I am going to, and if, if we let him, I'm going to make you more and more like Jesus. If you just keep walking, you keep trusting, you keep learning, you keep applying, that there's the plan, God's plan is to make us more and more like Jesus. And the closer you walk with Jesus, you begin to respond the way God would want us to respond. And then people in your life are going to notice a difference. Wait a second. <laughs> you were once were this. And you're not that anymore. You are a pain to work with. I actually like you now. And you're like, that's not me, that's Jesus. All right, you were this kind of a spouse. And now because you're walking with Jesus, his plan, if we let him, you're going to be a different spouse. You held grudges, now you don't. You forgive quickly. That is not us. That's God's plan working in us. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. And in this verse, it's God's promise. God says, I'm not going to stop the work in you. I'm going I'm to complete it. All the way up until you see Jesus for yourself. So God has a plan and God has a promise of working in our lives. And so what Paul is, was ta- is talking about all through this little letter, they're not just words for him. They're not just, okay, let me write something that sounds really spiritual. Uh, da, da, da. No, 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 he's living it. If you're new to Bible study, when he wrote this letter... He's not writing it at a resort. He's writing it in a Roman prison. And we learn through different, uh, different understandings in, in the book of Acts. He has a chain on one hand to a Roman guard. And the other hand, he has the chain on that hand to a Roman guard. So he's talking about joy and talking about God's plan and promise. And I'm going to walk you through some things. His whole perspective was joyful. It was a choice. He's in prison. He's living out what he's talking about. So whatever you're struggling with now, if I would say stand up and give you a truth serum and say, what are you struggling with? All of us would give answers. Some of you would spend a long time. I'm struggling in all these areas. Paul's in prison and he's choosing joy. But his joy is connected to hope. Hope in the Bible is always connected to a promise of God. So Paul is connected to this hope, and he's choosing joy because of hope, because of hope. Now let me explain this. Let me give you some example. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, Paul says this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, other believers, that what has happened to me, I've been arrested, all right, I'm in jail, What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel, the good news about Jesus. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains, not because I murdered someone, not because I stole something and got caught, not because I didn't pay my taxes, not because of anything I did wrong. No, I'm in chains, and everybody knows this, including the guards. It's because of Christ. I'm here because I told people that there's God sent his son, Jesus, to the earth. He bore our sins on the cross. And before he died, he promised he'd come back in three days. And sure enough, three days later, he rose again. And he changed my life. And he changed everything. And, and telling everybody, and because of the gospel, 
He's in prison. People don't like that story. The Jews hated him. Verse 14, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. God's using me. And other believers have have this confidence like, well, I can share the gospel too. I can tell other other people about Jesus too. Now you gotta understand, Paul wasn't in just some prison, any prison. He wasn't in a cave in the hillside. He's in the heart of ancient Rome and the heart of ancient Rome is called the Forum. Not the forum that the Lakers used to play in the 80s. It's a, that's what we call the, the center of the heart of ancient Rome. We've walked there. We walked past where Paul was in prison. And around the corner was this thing called the Colosseum. That's, that's, that was alive and well then, and it's a historic tourist site today. And the palace guard just wasn't any guard. They were like the elite of the elite guards because they helped and guarded Caesar and his household. And in this prison, Paul had, a, had those type of guards. These palace guards also on occasion walked a couple of blocks to the Colosseum and worked there. It was a unique place. And at the end of this little, little letter, he's saying his goodbye. He said, tell this people. I said, hello. Tell this person. I said, hello. Oh, yeah, by the way, members of Caesar's household greet you too, meaning They heard the gospel and they trusted Jesus as their savior. So Paul had quite the opportunity and he chose to take it. And he was in prison with joy. And he viewed, okay, I got a guard here, guard here. Ha ha, ha ha, I got a captive audience. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus again, again, and again. His whole perspective was with joy. Look at verse 21. He said this, for me to live is Christ. That's one option. Door number one, I could, I could live for Christ and I'll keep serving him. And door number two, to die is gain. <laughs> go to heaven. It's awesome. Gain. If I am to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I do not know, should I stay alive and serve Jesus or go to heaven and see Jesus? What options? Verse 23, he goes, I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I, necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. He goes, it's a win-win situation. I mean, come on, seriously, who says this in jail? If I stay in jail, I win. If I die, I win. What should I choose? I don't really know. I'm like, who does this, Paul? Why? Because he's leaning into the hope that he has in Christ, and it's based on the promises of Christ. And because of that, he is choosing joy. He is choosing joy. Uh, now, here's the thing. We often under, misunderstand. The people in the, in the Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, they're real people. 
with real problems, with real emotions, with real feelings. Guarantee you that there were mornings that Paul woke up in prison and like, I'm so tired of this. God is using me. People are getting saved. Even in Caesar's household, this is awesome. But, you know, I'm, I'm just weary. I'm weary of this. Have you ever been weary? You ever been weary of being weary? I've been there. You've got to understand Paul had days when he, I'm sure he was like, seriously, God, I think I'd be way more effective outside the prison walls. Or just take me home. Pick one, God. I win either way. Weary. So I thought it was the weary world rejoices. Are you rejoicing in your weariness? Here, let me ask you this question. What are you weary from? Here, here's some things. I, I made up a list. Maybe you can identify with some of these. I, I don't know about you. I'm weary of all the division and strife in our country. Anybody f- tracking with me? I'm so sick of it. You know, that's why I stay off of social media more these days. I'm like, ah, arguments, dog chasing its tail type arguments. Ticks me off when Christians do that. I'm weary of that. Um, weary of stress. Are you weary of stress? Vaccines, anybody? No, don't answer. Um, <laughs> vaccines, mandates. I'm definitely weary of this. Masks. Cancel culture. If you don't completely agree with 100%, they cancel you. The moral decline that's all around us. It's exhausting, it's weary. The continual loss of liberty and it's happening right before us. We're losing liberty. Anybody weary of that? Pain, emotional pain, physical pain, sickness. I think we're always weary every, you know, this is not the Buffalo Bills, by the way. Um, <clears throat> this is Bills, oh, weary. Fear, unknown, fear of the unknown. Politics, death. Loss, how many of you can identify with more than one of these and you're weary of this? Look around. You are human, okay? Speaking of death and loss, last couple weeks has been hard for people who are from our family. Found out this week that Janet Wiesner, one of our, Wiesner, one of our wow ladies, is with Jesus. I'm happy for her. But it's a loss for us. Then Marcus Collier was on the phone. His heart stopped and he entered heaven. Please pray for his wife, Lisa, and his daughter, Annika. Bam, young man. What are you weary of? We all are, but we have a choice. Here's our choices when we're weary. These are real choices. And I've seen this all over our country, even in our church. Because of weariness, we get angry. We're just angry. And I won't give you examples of anger because that just will feed some of your anger. Or we just pout. Why is this happening to me? Why is God? Uh, I've been trusting Jesus all my life and he allows this. <laughs> That's a choice. Or we just choose to be afraid. Afraid. Watch the news. That's an action of insanity. Keep watching it thinking things will change and it just never, never changes, which causes fear. 
They're getting a lot of viewerships because of fear. Or we just quit. Like, I'm out. I quit relationships, quit my job, quit church, quit God. Guess what? Paul had these same options too. Paul could have been angry. Like, seriously, God, I'm preaching the gospel. And you put me in prison? Or you can pout. I'm a servant of you. Kind of like Elijah. I'm the only one. He could have been pouting. Can't believe, God, you're doing this to me. Or he could have been afraid. Man, every day, a new shift, new soldiers. Is this the day I'm going to lose my life? Or he can say, I quit. I'm not preaching the gospel anymore. If I'm going to have to pay this price, it's not worth it. I'm out. Paul didn't choose any of these four. He actually chose the fifth option. Here's an option that we can choose in our weariness is to lean into hope and choose joy. Paul says, I'm going to lean into hope that I have because of, based upon the promises of God, and I am going to choose joy. And all through this little book, he gives examples. He's showing us that he's choosing joy. He's just talking about it. He says, I'm going to choose joy. Look at chapter 3. We can totally identify with this in our culture. Chapter 3, verse 18. He says this. For as I've often told you before, and I'll tell you again, even with tears, there's a little hint of his humanity and weariness, is that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. It's like I turn all, they hate Jesus. Guess what? We have a culture that hates Jesus. We are living in a post-Christian culture. You can complain about it and get angry about it and pout about it. Or move in Montana to the woods and never see another person again. But the truth is, the closer we get to Jesus coming back, there's going to be more and more enemies of Christ. And Paul's feeling the weight of this, even the emotions of this. Because I want to remind you, by the way, I'm going to, let me remind you that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now, he says their destiny is destruction. They're going to fight against God and lose. Their God is their stomach. He's not talking about food. He's talking about they are those enemies of Christ, their appetite is for temporary things that don't really bring satisfaction. Their glory is in their shame. Their, their, their lifestyle is shameful for the, what God would say, and they glory in it. They don't care. Why? Their mind is set on earthly things. Enemies of Christ, people who don't know Jesus Christ, uh, they have different degrees of this, but it's like their mind is on earthly things. This is it. This is all there is. I got to make as much money as I can, buy as much toys as I can, live it up, you know, do whatever that makes me happy. That's what they think. Transition, verse 20. But here's a contrast. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly body, body so that they will be like his glorious body. We live with enemies of Jesus all around. That's the way it is. Stop whining about it, complaining about it, and, and judging you know, all them. God will take care of them. Their minds are on earthly things, but if you're a follower of Jesus, our minds should be on earthly, on, on not earthly things, but heavenly things. Because we have a promise that Jesus Christ will come back and make everything right. That's what he's saying. And I love the fact that Paul threw in what he was hoping for. I get a new body. 
And the older I get, I agree with that more and more. But Paul had this thing called a, a thorn in the flesh. A lot of people think it was bad eyesight. eyesight. That's why many people wrote for him. He was in constant pain all the time. And he's like, you know what? Yeah, it's hard, but I'm choosing joy based upon the promises of Jesus. He's going to come back and make everything right. And by the way, I'm going to get a new body. That's his choice. He understands life and he chooses that. And then he leans into chapter 4. This is why he says what he says. And this is like the key passage that I talked with so many people when we were all locked down in COVID and all the fear. I kept going back to this. Verse 4, chapter 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. You know what rejoice means? Be joyful in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Choose joy. Let your gentleness, not your anger, not your irritability, not your frustration, let your gentleness be evident to all, including when you post. They should see your gentleness. Why? The Lord is near. He's with you here and he's near to come back, but he's near. Do not be anxious or do not stay really anxious about anything. But in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, regards your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Are you weary? Get in line. Are you scared? I understand. There's a lot of fear. Are they going to keep these mandates? That if they keep that, and I don't want to get a vaccine for a lot of reasons that's between you and God, I can lose my job. It's all through our church, folks. I get it. It's fearful. But guess what? There's hope. Because of hope, lean into the hope that only Christ can give you. And with that, choose joy. That God-given satisfaction of my soul, no matter the circumstance. No matter the circumstance. Paul writes another letter he wrote to the church in Rome, to the people outside the prison walls who started forming church and started sharing Christ and started growing. He says this powerful verse, He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with knowledge, so you may overflow with prayer requests. What does he say? So you overflow with what? Hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what I've highlighted in yellow are marks evidence, manifestations, keep your own adjectives, of those who are following Jesus. These are marks of followers of Jesus. This is, I'm not saying this, these are marks of those who have knowledge of Jesus and knowledge of Bible verses or knowledge of Bible studies. No, it's actually when we follow Jesus, we're walking with Jesus. These are marks of those who are followers of Jesus. Not only we have the God of hope, we overflow with hope. Not only is a mark of, of, of following Jesus is that we do have joy, that we choose joy no matter the circumstance, and we have peace. 
the peace of God that passes all understanding, that guards our hearts. That's the emotions. Oh my goodness. Oh, I'm fearful. It's going to go all past that. And guard our minds. That's the what if that keeps us up in the middle of the night. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? What if that happens? We'll have the peace of God. That's the mark of a follower of Jesus. And also is because we're trusting, not in our feelings, but in him. Not in our, you know, common sense. No, we are placing our trust in Jesus. And as a result, we're going to overflow with hope. What keeps me sane is that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Yes, I have retirement. Yes, I'm making plans. Yes, I'm planning for our kids and our grandkids. I'm planning all that. Yes, because I want to live life now with joy. But my hope is not here. It's in Christ and his return and my eternal destiny in heaven. That puts me, that gets me through all the crud and all the craziness of the news, of our culture, of our economics of inflation, of this and this and this and this and that. If I focus on that, I will spiral down the drain of despair and discouragement. But my hope is on heavenly things, Colossians 3. Put my heart and my mind on things above. Guess what happens? I have hope. And out of that hope, I choose joy. I choose joy. That's what my mom's doing Thank you for praying for her. If you don't know my mom, she's dying of cancer. There's no cure left. Her numbers are spiking. And she's choosing joy. And she's telling us seven kids, Bonnie, Barry, Betty, Becky, Bobby, Brittany, Bradley. <laughs> she says, I've taught you how to live. And now I want to teach you how to die. My brother goes, who says things like that? My mom. Why? Because she just follows Jesus. She's so close to Jesus. And yes, she struggles. She's human. There's pain. And there's more pain coming. But she's making a choice. And her choice to choose joy is based upon the hope that she has in Christ. That's based upon the promises of God's word. And that's why she's the way she is. So the thrill of hope. The thrill of hope triggers worship. Why, why should we worship at Christmas? Oh, these Christmas songs, these Christmas carols. And some of you are struggling with the new Christmas carols with the cool little new vibe that we've been throwing at you. We can worship. Why? Because the promised Messiah came. He's the thrill of hope. And the thrill of hope helps us choose joy when we're weary and we're tired and we struggle. And there's no hope here. But a thrill of hope of Christ coming back, I'm choosing joy. So whatever you're struggling with, I get it. You're human. I'm human. We're frustrated. We have bad days. We have bad hair days. Some of you had bad no hair days. <laughs> but where's your hope? Where's your hope? If it's in Christ, man, it's a thrill of hope. We can worship. We can choose joy. Now, Thursday night, for all those hoping for snow, it looks like it's going to rain, which God's answering my prayers. Okay. I'm praying for snow on Christmas Day. All right. Or the next Monday. But we have four Christmas Eve services. The thrill of hope. We're going to walk through stories of hope. 
just real situations through this, and we'll have some songs and sing, and you can join singing. But then I'm going to come at the end and say, you know what? The, the stories of, jo- the, of hope fit a pattern of the Christmas story. And the ups and the downs and the sideway turns of hope. Hope is never like this. Guess what hope is? It ends there. We're going to take the Christmas story and put it over. So I'm going to challenge you to take these invite cards on the way out. Don't just take one. Take five. Pass them out. Online, invite people to join you online to watch, to participate in, to absorb the thrill of hope. Because, man, we have a story to tell. In our world that's hopeless and depraved of hope, we can point them to Jesus. And that's our goal. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for for using Paul in prison and for his choice of joy that comes from hope based upon the promises of Christ. And Lord, thank you for his real life situation that can teach us that we can choose joy as well. So Lord, I pray for those in our church family, in here, maybe visiting for the first time, that they're, they're weary, they're hurting, they're struggling. Lord, I pray that they will trust in Jesus as their Savior, and then they will experience the hope that can only be found in him that will help us throughout all difficulties in life. Thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity we have Thursday and Friday to share the hope of the thrill of hope found only in Christ in our services. May you bless, may you fill each service with people that you draw here or draw online for your glory. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, we all say, amen, amen, amen. Thank you so much for being here. If you're our guest today, thank you for choosing to join us today. Uh, please go to the guest services. We have a gift for those who have never said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm visiting here. We have a gift for you. May God bless you. Hope to see you this Thursday or Friday. Have a great day. Thank <laughs> you.